You're listening to Inside the Minds Podcast with Dante Marsh and Ryan Hyde, where we talk about sports, life, and whatever the hell else we want to talk about. This ain't gonna work live. So we're just gonna wing it. Forget going live. We're good. We're good. All right. Welcome to uh, today's show on the Inside the Minds podcast. Uh, today's guest is current Saskatchewan Rough Rider safety Mike Adam. Uh, how's it going today, Mike? Oh, it's going good. It's going good. Uh, um, just uh, getting ready for a big family dinner. And uh, sister's in town. It's her birthday on the first, so it's you know so cele- uh, celebratory time right now in the family. Nice, nice, definitely. Nice. Uh, well, brother Dante, how's it going, brother? It is super ugly outside. What? I thought yeah. it wasn't ugly yesterday. What happened? No, it's, it's ugly. Um, raining like it's Buffalo minus the snow. Hey, shit. Um, Crazy man, I the, the world is in in disarray. So, hopefully, hopefully it's, it's not supposed to rain tomorrow. So, hey, hey Dante, hey, before you got the cigar, remember doing the uh, trade last training camp when we had the cigar together? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that night, that night, I got back to my room and I was talking to Nick. And Nick was like, "Were you smoking a cigar outside the facility?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." He was like, okay. And he walked away and I thought about it. And I was like, fuck did I just do? I just smoked a cigar right outside the team facility. Hey, hey man. <laughs> oh, when I, was in, when I was in BC, every year we go up to training camp, right? And uh, what is that? What is that, Abbott? Was it Abbott's? For, no, Ch- Chilliwack? Kamloops, uh, Kamloops, yeah, yeah. I was there so long. We went to a couple different places, but Kamloops, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Wally and Benny, um, during training camp, they'll sit outside, uh, like right outside the 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 uh, the dorm thing. Yeah. In Kamloops, it looked like a big ass hotel, right? Right, right. right. And sit out uh, in the chairs and they smoke Cubans. So I remember a couple years, me and Banks was like, "Hey, man." We, we need them cigars, man. You're trying to get us out there and smoke. So it'd be all good, man. You grown. You handle your business. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, shit. It was just, you know, you, you know, you reflect back on one of the things you did. And I was like, yeah, that's got to be up there for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it was more the reaction of the young guys when they came in, because they were like, yo, were you smoking a cigar at the facility just today? And I was like, yeah. And they were kind of like, 
Huh. Okay, and he just kind of give me that look like he must be a vet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the older guys, veteran guys get away with a little bit of stuff, right? So no, I, mean, I enjoyed it. Uh sometimes I'm I, I think like, damn, I should have took that job. But I miss y'all though, man. Y'all. It was kind of rough from what I hear. So you gotta you gotta update me on that. I mean, I wish I had an update to give. Um I think like most of the guys right now. Uh, I was kind of waiting to hear back from the team to see where the direction the teams are going with certain guys and contracts and stuff like that. And um, shit, I, like I'm just like the rest of the guys, just sitting and waiting. And um, hopefully, you know, we hear something soon, and hopefully, we follow the plans. But like, you know how this business goes, doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you hit 30, 30 plus, you know, how do you start changing? Just the only- and, and that's speaking for myself, but. Generally, there's, there's a process. The off season, there's a process. Of the off, there's a process. The off season's got to take, and I think that's just you know where we are right now in that process. It's just the waiting period for teams to finalize what the plans are and figure out um, how they're going to spend money. And I think you've seen guys start getting signed, so there's probably conversations being had um, behind closed doors right now. And you know, hopefully, you know, your phone rings and you're one of them guys having those conversations. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's tough. It's a, a sad reality. The business side always sucks. Uh, you know, I was uh, blessed and fortunate to be on the positive side for a pretty long time. And, you know, we used to have these conversations every offseason, try to get that, that signing bonus. In yeah, that's, and, and, that, and, and that's exactly what it is. You know, you have that conversation every offseason, you know. So, you know, I've been with SAS. I'm going on my sixth year with SAS now. So, you know, we've, we've had this process every offseason. And, um, you know, it's always worked out well. So for me, you know, I have no worries. You know, I'm just, they know what I bring to the table. They know how I approach the game. They, they know the kind of passion that uh, I play with. It's a, little, it's a little bit of a reckless style when you, you know, when you talk about how, you know, getting up there in age. So that's, you know, something I got to be conscious of and tweak a few things to my game. But, but don't, I'm going to be the first to tell you. So real quick. Um. At almost 44, I, I I bullshit you not. I could probably play again at my age. Um, when you start listening, you can't listen to the the fake ass couch potato fans. You can't listen to the fake wannabe armchair GMs. Oh yeah. When you oh, start yeah. as a player, when you start drinking the Kool-Aid or your see social media has kind of messed it up too. Don't go on blogs and shit and, and stuff. Don't okay. listen. You look, you don't use it, you lose it. I'm I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, even my last year at 35, I, I didn't, I was like shit, even at 38, I was still out here running. I'm still running around right now. So right. Right. that that because I still train that way. Right, I right. think um, all the years I played in BC and I played with some great players, Baron Miles, Carl Kidd, Otis Floyd. Baron Simpson, like it's a, you know, me, Corey Banks, Ryan, like when you start listening to that shit, that's when you like instantly get old. Like B Miles right. <laughs> was picking eight, nine, 10 balls off. Right. Be, oh, they're gonna, he's getting old in the long in the tooth and all this. And then you've seen his last year just, I, I think it got in his head because he, you don't go from perennial all-star to, to no good overnight or in one off season. So as long as you, I mean, I mean you definitely, I mean, you're definitely right. But in terms of what I was trying to refer to, um, 
for me personally, it's just more of a body preservation. Yeah. Oh yeah. No doubt. You know, um, you know, you know, Dante, when you play this game, one of the best abilities is your availability. You know what I'm saying? Can you know? Can't help a team win games during the cold tub. Yeah. See what I'm saying? So, for me, like I played every game last year except the last game, and I got hurt. Right. And it's like I just look back at the situation. I was like, okay, I'm getting older. These ball carriers are getting bigger and faster. You know. So for me, it's like, okay, how can I make sure? I get my job done and still be able to play the next snap. Okay, pad level. Where was my pad level in that play? Okay, where was my strike zone? Where was I aiming for? You know, for me, having these having these conversations kind of helps me figure out. Okay, I fixed that problem, and I'm going to use that solution moving forward when I'm encountered with that same problem, right? And I'm just trying to be out there for my team all all twenty some games, whatever it takes to get to the Great Cup. You know, and um, the older we get, it's unfortunate, but you know, our bones do get softer. You know, we're not young no more. And I ain't gonna lie to you and say, it's a young man's game. You know that. Yes. You know, but as, as an older dog, you gotta take pleasure in that competition and always trying to shut down the noise. That's that's where you gotta dwell almost and prove, keep proving people wrong. You know what I'm saying? Well, but I you're all right. I gotta stick to my guns. I gotta stick to what got me thus far. We had that conversation. You right, but don't. But that doesn't mean I can't put a silence on that, on that, on that, on that pistol just to make it a little more efficient. You yeah, know, I'm not, that mean I can't. I'm not saying you know, per se. Yeah, I'm just yeah. speaking in general terms. Right. I think because you got to remember now too. 20, 30 years ago, if you blew out your knee, you was done. Right. Right. With, with 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 medicine and technology, right. you know, Rob Wilson did it in a time frame before it was popular. Like he he got hurt that same season, come back playing the Super Bowl. Right. Jerry right. Rice, one year. Those used to be career in the injury. So now I remember I tore my MCL twice, one on this knee, one on the other one. And they nine game me back then, like 2007. That's like once they put you on the nine week. Nine game. People don't even people don't even know about the nine game. That's <laughs> That's, that's a whole nother conversation to have. You couldn't come back though back then. They couldn't pull right. you off of it. So when I did mine, it was a third degree. Like it could have, you know, required surgery. But I was like, no, nah, ain't nobody cutting on my lower extremities. The shoulders are different. I, you know, but you ain't cutting on my legs. So right. um, they put me on the nine game. Everybody thought, oh man, his season over. He gonna get out of shape and shit. I went home. I left limping in a in a robo uh, brace. I came back back pedaling in five weeks. Ready to play. So I think it's it it, it 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 you attribute that to for me personally. I was always a workout dude. Like I always yeah. ever since a little still, kid. Still in the gym. Yeah, so your injury's not gonna last that long, man. I mean, I won't lie to you, man. I still love playing the game. Like my family, I swear they're all in cahoots. They be trying to talk to me about retirement, trying to get me to talk about it, and I just like. Since the season ended till now, I've just been dodging retirement conversations. Just don't do it, Mike. Like, don't do it, Mike. Every, every time they try to get you, like, you know, you be having a good time, you know, I'm drinking with my dad and drinking with my dad and watching the FIFA game. And then I think he notices, okay, Mike's a little relaxed. And he's like, all right, pause the game. That's what you're going to do with ball. And it was like, that's why you pause the game. 
<laughs> like, like, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, but for me, I still love playing. And the love of chasing that cup, especially when you've never had it, that shit gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And then for me, watching a guy came to the league, you know, like a big bro, watching him from college, like Enoch, mm-hmm. you know, to, to see him win the great cup, and play the capacity, uh, have an impact that he did at his age, man. I'm like, I can't stop now. So, so you know who you know who. This is the best advice I could give anybody. So, Milt Steagle, like, it's like I call him Unc, Uncle Milt, right? Right. I lived in Atlanta. Me, Corey, Otis, like we used to, uh, Darian, uh, Durant, we used to be like, uh, Terrence, we used to be deep, like in off season training together, right? Right. And uh, he would be like, listen. Young Marsh, play to the wheels fall off. Cause when it's over, it's over. And for us to train, cause when I came in the league, Milt was still playing. He still played what, what four or five years once I got to the league. So um, once I had moved from California to Atlanta uh, for those seven years, we were we were we got real close. He sh- he he basically showed me and Corey how to do our own contracts. You don't need an agent no more. You know your value. Do this. Do that. Get your money straight this way. Right. He gave us a shitload of game, right? So he would tell me, um, just you got you gotta play till you can't play no more. Because see, the, the you're gonna be a civilian <clears throat> much longer in life than you are gonna be whatever your occupation is. Right. And from the time I know for us guys here in the States playing Pop Warner, you know, you from the time you start playing Pop Warner till the end you're evading and running away from that thing that's on the ground that you see when the sun is out. It's your shadow. Right. And you just constantly in a chase trying to keep from your shadow to catch up with you. And I was blessed and fortunate to play long enough and, and never have the, the I, didn't ha- I didn't have to go out. I, you know what I'm saying? I, it, it basically, it wasn't on my own terms because I wanted to, stop playing it was some financial ramifications with mr wally bono right but i still had my health still playing at a high level i wasn't forced out through injury or my body felony mm. so that's why i don't have no regrets i played super long played in th- what three gray cups one two right. I mean, it is what it is but you what god is has for you is for you regardless like i i was married 14 15 years went to high school with my ex-wife two beautiful children the whole nine ended up getting a divorce and i'm not gonna sit here and lie i think me being a professional football player contributed to some of that but i would do it all over again because that's that's for me god said since i was a little kid you're blessed with this right so you it it's tough bro when the family and friends yeah, they, I mean they're they not running out of that tunnel. They don't get that. They don't get that. And that's and that's the and that's what I, I try to tell them. Like I'll talk to my wife and my older sister, because they're like, man, he's still gonna go out there. And I'm like, no doubt, 100 mm-hmm. percent And I was like, listen here, when we moved to Canada when I was 12, I used to get in trouble. A whole lot of trouble, a whole lot of trouble. Getting out of court, trying to beat charges with my dad to the point where my dad stopped going with me. And I started playing soccer. But then soccer was something essentially that I did because of the school I went to. So when we moved away from that area, the kids in that area played football. So I really started playing football because it allowed me to hang out with my friends 
after school for extended periods of time, right? So for me, I gained the identity as a football player, kind of gave me a family, kind of yeah. made me feel like I belong, right? So now as a child, this, this, this thing has become a passion to dream to the point where it's paying my bills and you know allowed me a certain style of life that I would not have without playing football. So essentially I told him, I said, listen, it's like trying to tell Batman that he got to put the mask down, shut the cave down, just live his life as Bruce Wayne. Yeah. yeah. Now, knowing, knowing that he got the money and the, and the funds to be able to go back to be Batman. But for some reason, at some point, he just knows he got to put the mask down and just become Bruce Wayne. Like yeah. you watch the movie, he fights with that concept every, every, every movie because it's a, when you've done something for so long, you essentially become it. And you know what it's like when you play 10 years, they start calling you a life, mm -hmm. you know? And, and one of the things I love from Coach Shiles that kind of makes it easy for me to say, okay, I can walk away and still keep that passion. Coach Shiles always talked to me about, you've played, once you play X amount of years, you, you don't have to stop being a football guy. You can leverage football in other ways to, to keep that passion and that, and that game burning, right? So for me, you know, I've done some things with the university that I played at that, you know, I'm setting things up for the future when they can join the staff and coach there. So that's an aspect of my life that keeps that football passion, you know, going right for me. But other than that, you know, I've, I've been lucky to make some good financial um, moves that makes walking away from the game not so much tied to the financial. You know? yeah. so the, the, the one reason that I want to, you know, maybe play one or two more and shut it down is because, you know, growing up, my dad was always a business career oriented guy, a politician in Nigeria. So he was never around, not because he didn't want to be around because he had to go work and provide us with a lifestyle. And when we moved to Canada and he was home more than he was in Nigeria, I realized how separate we were because I'd learned to do so much without him, right? And now we're forced to be in the house together and coexist. And, you know, it took a while for me to realize like, yo, there's things we gotta work through as father and son that we didn't because we were so far apart because you had to go work. And for me, I don't think leaving my wife with a baby and two great dames and a business to run and going to work for six months, I don't think I'm doing right by him because I went through that. So I don't want to put him through that. So I know for me in that early stage when he's a baby, I can get away with playing one or two more. But I know for me, I'm closer to the end than I am the middle of the beginning. Yep. Yeah. What I'm trying to do now is see, I got these X amount of snaps left. I'm trying to give to somebody and I'm trying to empty a clip. You got to, I'm not trying to bring anything back. I'm not trying to bring nothing back. You know, so like I said, the process, I do want to stay with SAS. I love the coaches, you know, Last year was tough. Some of the things we went to internally as a team, I don't think people really understand the depths of it. Like you take the game against Winnipeg where there's a flu that, that hits the team. The sight of, of that locker room before the game was a scary one. You're seeing teammates trying to squeeze IVs out of bags in the teammates IV line so they can get enough fluid in them so they can just get ready for warm up. Wow. People don't understand how 
demoralizing that is for team getting ready to go out and still these guys get up, put the eye black on, drink the fluid, do what's necessary to go out and, and put on a show, knowing their health is not doing so hot. Yeah. And not even show that they're not feeling so hot. Like you say, go out there and put on a show, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. These guys are hurting. Yeah. Go out there and still ask to be a warrior. And mm-hmm. judged against guys who are full health, full tilt. Yeah. And I know they, that you're hurting. By wins and losses. They don't say, oh, they were hit by the flu. This, this. No, it's like, okay, they lost the game. But for our team, the things we went through that, 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 that game, that pregame, and we were flying guys in that morning of the game, trying to get guys caught up to the game plan. You know, wow. trying even some of the guys that were coming had the flu and they were back home. So we're still bringing sick guys to come help us play. You know, and, and that's the part of the story that people don't really understand. Like, it's hard to come back from that as a team when you've seen that, like, and then we had injuries, COVID. Like, our team persevered through, through a lot and we had a fighting chance right to the very end. Yeah. So when you look at things from a great scheme of things, like, yeah, it was a bad year, but we can't just cast it to the side and say, it was a bad year. We need to, no, we didn't learn from it. Cause that's how you're gonna get better. You need, you own it, learn from it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you get, you, yeah, yeah. But internally, as a player, that team we went through a lot, and and still had a fighting chance at the end. Yeah. That that sounds like that 2011 team I was on. Like we 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 started out, we had all the all the opportunities or all the excuses to make in the world. We were removed from BC Place for two seasons, playing at that makeshift while they redid the roof. Uh, you know, there were some changes. You know, we brought Casey back, who's who's a good friend of mine, and that didn't work out well. And then it got to a point I was in my shit eighth, ninth year, and you know, we jumped out to one and six. Right. Uh, Wally started bringing us veteran guys who were making some money into the office. Was like, you know, you know, my sense is, man, you know, it's not the coaches, it's not us. I mean. It, and uh, if uh, you guys don't get this thing turned around, you know what's going to happen, right? <laughs> I already knew what he was talking about. So at the end of the day, um, I, I was, that, was, that probably would never, ever again happen in pro sports in history. Like to go from one and six to running the table and then hosting the, the championship and winning it. All right. <laughs> so, so yeah. if realize, we played a game, Cody, our starting quarterback was out. Our backup was out. Mm-hmm. Our third string, a rookie, played against Toronto, the team that won the Great Cup. We hadn't on maybe we had two receivers that were healthy. We had fullbacks playing receiver. Tuck is out here running routes. We have our running backs running routes. But still we're in the game to the fourth quarter competing. People don't mm-hmm. realize how hard that is on those guys that have to step in because of the COVID situation. Like I get, I, I get, we get paid to, to produce, but under those circumstances, not a lot of people come out and produce. Let's just be honest. Look, people, the people no. see this is the thing: people who've never put on the helmet, people who've never played. And I'm talking, not this is. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just, I'm giving reality. We talk reality on this show, this platform, right? Um, people who've never played high level football. It's, it's a big difference high school to junior college and 
some D3. I'm right. talking Division One, Power Five, Group of Fives, right? FCS and NFL and CFL, right? right. It's a big ass difference. And when you get to the to the to the pro level where you actually getting paid, well, no NIL when I was in college. <laughs> you money, you're in trouble. But uh, you getting paid some good, damn good money. You getting paid, right? You know? People still will view you as it's still entertainment, and they don't, they don't. And I and I and I said this. I've told this story where I made the analogy, and you kind of touched on it a, a, a few minutes ago. Playing professional football, you have to be Superman. You got to be Clark Kent, and you got to jump in the phone booth, put on your Superman outfit, and go be Superman. Then after practice, you got to jump back in the phone booth, come back out as Clark Kent. You got to do that all through the week. Then on game day, you can't have no off days. You got to be able to be Clark Kent, be a father, a husband, boyfriend, fiance, son, brother, uncle, stand-up guy in society. I'm not condoning putting your hands on nobody. Let's get that straight. But I, 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 I was in locker rooms for so many years. You, I, shit, I'm 43, at least 30 something plus years I've been playing football, right? And I, I can see how these transgressions happen in public because can't nobody tell me about stress. If you work a regular job and you worried about a, a 60 day, 90 day evaluation and we get evaluated every single day, not only by your employer, that's trying to replace your ass, but somebody who's sitting on the couch that's watching you on TV, getting on, on, a, on a blog, talking shit. So that's stress. You don't realize, just add, just add to what you say, like you walk into the building, right? There's a team lunch. You decide to get your lunch and go to the car and have lunch because you want to call your wife. The GM sees you walk out. Mm-hmm. Right there is, that, is an evaluation of what? Being a team guy. Are you a team guy or are you not a team guy? People don't realize like, you get evaluated from the moment you step on the like the grounds, you know, mm-hmm. how you you can be talking to your teammate, right? And the gym walks by and you over here dropping the N-word, doing this and doing that and doing that. That's an evaluation of the moment right there. He just got a glimpse of how you communicate who you really are. So if you go talk to him in a new way or in a way that's opposite of what he just heard, then he's like, this guy's, you know, you know, let me let me just assess him a little longer. Like we're, I mean, every job has his. Mm-hmm. Every job's got his stress factor and his difficulties. Right. But I think it's extremely hard when you're being evaluated on a daily basis, like a daily basis. Everything you do is being evaluated. You and know, some, of it has, some of it has to with your job. Right. I, I, you know, Jones, Jones used to be one of those guys that, you know, Jones called me one time in his office and he was like, fuck you doing on practice. And I'm like, I'm practicing. It's like, we give you a day off and you're fucking around. And I was like, what do you mean? And he put on a practice clip. And I, it was a sideline. I was on the sideline. I wasn't even, I had my jersey on. I was on the sideline. I was just laughing with the DBs. And he's like, if you're not going to practice, don't distract the guys that are practicing. Wow. Being evaluated when on my day off. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like, I'm giving a day off. I'm still being evaluated. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. like, that's that's a scrutiny nobody wants to live under. Yeah. Like, Nobody wants to be micromanaged, you know, feel like, but we, we got to accept there's cameras when we do our job. You know, there's every step is, yeah. is evaluated. You know, you, you breaking a ball and you get it back down, 
the coach is going to ride you on how the one step you took was not good enough and it could have been a pick six. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's so crazy how much evaluation goes through um, the process of a, a day-to-day prep for a game, let alone the game itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, I mean, Sha told you right, though. Like, I think I, I shared that with you in training camp. Like, yeah. dude. I'm, I come out there in my cleat still. I mean, I know, I know that rubs some people the wrong way, but that's, that's me. That's Marsh. I'm, I'll be 50 still out there in my cleats coaching backpedaling. That's just what I do because the game has done so much for my life. Um, it's, it's, you know, afforded me to, to live a fantasy life for 12 years of my life. Um, it allowed me to buy things that I never would have been able to afford had I not played football. The most important thing, it, it got me education. Got a bachelor's degree, master's degree. I'm teaching, coaching, training. It put me in, it took an inner city kid from Oakland, California, and took me to see the world, to see things and be exposed to things that had it not been for football, I would have never been exposed to. And the relationships. I, I think the I think the biggest thing that a lot of former athletes well, not, not a lot of former athletes, but people don't realize it's not the money. It, my, money, you gonna make money. I gotta, I gotta, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm okay. I'm not making my football money yet again, but I'm doing pretty good. But I'm doing what I want to do, and I love it. Right? Yeah, Mike, you had a thought there. Do you remember what that thought was? Yeah, you know, like, like you said, like we do it. We don't do it for money. We do it because we, we love it. Right? I remember eighteen moving out to. Quebec, Lennoxville, Quebec, to go play CJ. I don't speak, I don't speak a lick of French, not one word in French, right? I go out there and my DB coach doesn't speak a word of English. <laughs> I meet him and we say about 10 words to each other. Bonjour, hi, I'm Mike. He says his name, okay. Says a few, and, and that's it go to practice the next day, yo, he's having a full blown comp, like full French. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, I'm effed. Like this is, but your brain's like, wait, if you just watch the steps. So I, I'll go, I, I used to be in another, I used to like going first in the line. That was my first time I started going last. Cause I was like, I don't care what he says, but if I just go last yeah. and I watch the guys in front of me go, and maybe when I go, I won't be as off or so far left as to what he's teaching, right? Maybe the few words he can tell me can help me coach me up to a point that I'm getting it right. But for me, that was just a, a monument, uh, monumental moment in my career because it was just like, I was in a foreign place, no mom, no dad. I was just out there for football and I had to decide right there and then, do I really want to do this? And it was an easy yes for me because I was like, man, game day came. Yeah, I messed up on a few plays, but the flying around, hitting people, and crowd cheering, chanting. And like I said, you, you know, you want to be Batman forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm pretty sure you ask yourself every every training camp, man, do I really want to keep doing this shit? Like, I, I used to do that. Like, talk about you, when you going through the, well, see, you, I think you old enough to have went through some real double days. Listen, my first camp with Wally. <laughs> the two days with Wally, bro. It it was it was a real um beast too. 
be still with my roommate. So be still an old head, right? So I guess B2's been through some camps to know, he knew what to expect. Man, there was one night we went, I think it was like day three. So you used to have the morning practice, go, go for lunch, mm -hmm. get a little downtown and then fire it up again. So, you know, we did this for three days straight. And I remember I, 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 went, I went in my account, I looked at my bank account and I said, how much do I need to finish my degree? How much I got? It's gonna take me three years, okay? How much it's gonna cost me to live in a student budget of three? I got a plan. <laughs> Bro, I sat there and I literally did the math. I said, no, I'm not there. I got a plan. Like, yo, my body was throbbing. That's when I started taking supplements. Like, I know guys, I, you know, I see guys with the shakers. Like, yo, what's in there? And you're like, bro, I'm taking this, 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 this. There was a guy at Craig Rowe. Mm -hmm. You know, Craig Rowe he used to have the art machine, right? You know, he used to like, the, he was more electric with the art machine, right? I hurt my calf one time and I, I was willing to do anything. Cause I remember Wally said, you cannot make the team if you're not on the field. He's like, I don't care. He's like, rookies, if you get hurt, it's over with. Mm -hmm. He's like, vets, if you get hurt, it's a, it's a lot harder for me to, you know, vouch for you, right? So I'm sitting there. Field. So, you know, they're doing the therapy, nothing's working. So I look at Roll Rolls, like, I can fix that for you. You just let me arp it. It's going to hurt. And that decision for you to realize, like, okay, I don't know what this is, but I got to get back on that field. You know what I'm saying? Like, that mindset that you breed over time playing football, like that, got to find any way to keep moving, keep crawling, keep fighting. It's like you carry that mindset through life, life's going to be a breeze. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's a, it's a, it's a definitely, it's definitely a good battle testing. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. training camp, training yeah. camp for your life after. Because if you, you run on a training camp on one toe, you got blisters on all nine toes, nails falling off, you, like you taping, buddy, buddy taping toes together, just trying to make through the. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Maybe that's why Chris Rainey's feet are so messed up. I don't know if you've seen pictures of Chris's feet, but they're nasty. They're nasty. <laughs> Chris from Florida, he probably was walking barefooted, barefoot in the uh, in the swamp somewhere, man. Only, only, yeah. only, only players I know that got good feet that play football, punters and quarterbacks. I have nice feet. Man, you're not <laughs> nice feet. I, 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 listen to me. I'm not even listen to me. You wore, you wore cleats for ten, for how many years? About twenty I mean, something years. Have, no, I don't have. I, I promise you, people can't believe I have nice ass feet. Not a corn on my foot. No bunions. No nothing. Now listen. I used to, I used to he's, when I was playing. He's I used to, no, I used to get. Uh, I used to get. Uh, I would take my daughter. My daughter just turned fourteen yesterday. So when I was still playing, yeah. we, I will even in even when I was in Canada, away from my family, I would I would just take myself. I go get Manny Petties like twice a month. Marsh, I got something funny to say about this shit. Uh, I dated a girl probably 15, 20 years ago that had a foot fetish. Never come across that shit before. It was fucking weird. Anyway, so I'll, we're just kind of laying there. And she's like, do you mind if I play with your feet? I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, do you mind if I like play with your feet? I'm like, what's up? She's like, I got a foot fetish. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I, I like feet. So I was like, well, if that's what you like to do, then go do what you want to do. And apparently I have nice feet. So. <laughs> So that's a rant, yeah, right? Like my feet, it exists. Are, my, 
my feet is not a playground for anyone to be. You know, like, by the time you smell my feet, you, you already know what time it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, nah, that's not, I'm not a, I mean, to, to, to each his own, man. You like feet, hey. Yeah. Pretty I, weird. I, had to, I had to take care of them things, man, I'm telling you. But, but now, though, you know, you, you know, women will make you feel bad, you know, about certain things. Like, I remember one time, come on, I did my wife, she's like, you just cut me. What do you just cut? She's like, yeah. <laughs> and I looked at my nail, I was like lapping over my toe. She's like, I think he's tired of it for And then we went and then they did the hot wax. And I just like, I remember being in the sheet that night, just rubbing my feet against each other. I was like, this is so soft. So now I try to, now I try to do a little bit more, but it's, it's, it's still not. We, we're not wearing flops in the summertime. <sighs> See, I see. I'm a California dude, so I used to wear flops in the summertime. I, I, I wear flops with socks. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> <flops along. laughs> yeah, you got hey, you got to make it do what it do, baby. Hey, hey, Dante, what's your NFL team, man? I see, I see. Ryan got all that all that Eagles gear, and you already know I'm an Eagles fan. Right, right. See, people be full of. I mean, I can vouch for he's an Eagle fan. I am from born and raised Oakland, California. I am a diehard Raider fan. They were still in Oakland when I was born. So then they then LA borrowed us, and I was always a fan then. Then when it's they came it's back, it's a rough time for uh, Oakland fans right now. Hey man, yeah. it's okay. They could they could play on Mars. They will always be the Oakland Raiders, no matter what. I mean, Marsh, what's up with that quarterback situation right now? Let's hear it. Uh, so I'm a little bit biased because I am a Fresno State Bulldog, and I actually my recruiting class, I. You know, David Carr was 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 my quarterback. We got recruited out of high school same year. We yeah. was Patty in class. Now he, Derek is was what five years old I think when I got to college. So, um, Derek, here here's the thing that I hate arguing with people that really don't know ball. Derek has been throwing for 3,000 yards a season, around there. Those are good numbers. It's Pro Bowl numbers. He he he. If you look at his stats, he does his thing. It's very hard for a team, I think last year or the year before last, they were scoring like 28 points a game and still losing. So we haven't had a defense. The Raiders has not had a top nothing defense. The, the lowest we've been in the last 20 years, I think has been 20. So if you can't stop a nosebleed, it don't matter how many points you did. This is professional football. You can't win shootouts. And this year in particular, we were up five games double digits and still lost how do how are you leading in five games double digits and still lose the game so i will say this good bad win lose or draw i'm gonna be a raider fan. Oh, let me ask you a question you know what's like when you play defense right and your offense is not doing shit mm -hmm. and y'all calling everything on the defensive side of the ball calling everything trying to stop the bleed and there's no offense that's tough it's, it's tough you know what i'm saying it's, tough. it's very tough it, it's 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 hard to go out there every and and these and the worst part is when they're walking off and you and you looking at them yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah now the, the 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 other hard part is when they played the rams and I, the rams had just got baker mayfield a few weeks ago and they had the game in the bag this dude has to drive 90 some yards for the game winner. Why are you playing press, man? 
I'm just I'm confused. Back up, play cover four. They can't win the game with a field goal. They got to score a touchdown. I would say this when they got Devontae, I thought they were gonna take off. Yeah, I didn't. I here's what I thought because Devontae is a cool dude. He's from the Bay Area, went to Fresno State as well. Bulldog alumni. He's a top three receiver in the game, right? If not top dog. Right. The, the thing of it is with that, I didn't feel like I thought he, he's gonna do his numbers regardless. He's right. he, he pays to have like fifteen hundred yards receiving. Like he's you know he's he's gonna put up numbers because he's a great player. But y'all gotta understand, football is not like basketball. Football it takes more of a team effort. Contrary to popular belief, watch this. If the Fort San Francisco 49ers had Derek Carr last year, they would have won the Super Bowl. But my thing is, the quarterbacks are judged by wins and losses. How much playoffs? Look, check it out. Not to cut you off, hold up. The quarterbacks and coaches get too much credit for wins, mm -hmm. too much blame for losses. There's been no quarterback in the history of the world who has won Super Bowls. That's that's a term we throw that because if that was the case, Dan Marino would have won hella Super Bowls. If that was the case, your boy in Buffalo, we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't put, we can't put, we can't put Derek Carr and Marino in the same sentence. No, listen, what I'm saying. This we can't even, we can't even fathom that thought. I know, but you a ball player, so you you gonna understand what I'm saying, right? As great as your quarterback can be, he ain't winning no games. When you look at the four straight years. I'm telling my age now, four straight years, Buffalo Bills went to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, four straight years in a row. Right. Jim Kelly can't, don't kick field goals. I mean, I hear you, but I just, I just see the spectrum and the scale in which they judge all the quarterbacks. Like, look at a quarterback like Jalen Hurts. Even after everything he's done. People are still talking about is he a franchise quarterback and this and that. And but you know what? But you but see, here's the thing. You, you know, know, but you know why that conversation gonna happen? It's complexion. But I'm not even going there. But I'm not even going there. I'm strictly trying to keep it on wins and losses. But you yeah. a ball player. He's, he's, been, he's been he's been to a playoff game. He's about to take his team as a number one seed to the playoffs. Right. Okay, but, yeah. and they still don't talk to him. But next year, Derek Carr about to get a starting quarterback job. Okay, but Mike. I agree with everything you're saying, but hear what I'm saying. In the United States of America, that, that reason is what I just said. It's complexion, bro. You gotta, you gotta remember, Warren Moon had to leave University of Washington in the late 70s and go to Canada. Right. They were, he, he was never gonna play quarterback had he went straight to the NFL. Right. They didn't believe in black quarterbacks back then. So he had to go to Edmonton and go to five straight Grey Cups before he even got an opportunity to play quarterback in the NFL. He's in both Hall of Fames, bro. You can't deny it. But what I'm saying is, we I don't want to make it a race thing, but mm. talk, we got to speak facts. I'm just saying, their card's been a case that he's had to go for a long time. He's he's ha he's ha he's had to do a lot with a little. He's had to do a lot with and every a little. Year, every year, I hear this man's name being talked about like, okay. What are we gonna to do to help him? And they bring the weapons in. It's the same thing. Change but, coach. Same but, thing. Okay, so bring you guys in. It's the same thing. Let's say this, because you, you, okay. So if you have a different defensive coordinator every year, they run different schemes. How, how, how effective you think you're gonna be? Step in terms of producing to the to the potential that you are capable of producing. 
I mean, that's tough for any player to. Uh, to and I'm not making excuses. I'm no, just. You're not. I want people to see because he's he has played shitty to me this year, but right. over the nine years he's been in the league, 2016 they went 12 and four. He mm. broke his leg the or his ankle the last game of the regular season. He got. They were talking about MVP that year for him. Right. 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 He's he, he can do it, but. How can you go get weapons offensively? It does not matter if you can't stop nobody. I can score 50. If I give up 51, I lose. What, what are we talking about? It, I mean, it don't even – we can't stop a nosebleed, bro. I just, I just know playing defense, when you got a good offense, maybe not necessarily score touchdowns. Let's see you get, you get, get up on the lead, right? Yeah. And they just able to put first downs together. You, you know yeah. you get that, you get that game. You can have that conversation on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Man, we can go out and play defense all game long like that. We Chipping can't wear. We can, but I don't. The, the Raiders are inept. This but is my. Talk about, you know, when they talk about Derek Carr and they put him in the ranks of all the quarterbacks, then we should expect production in the ranks of those other quarterbacks. No, I, but 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 here's the thing: he's giving you that production. Watch this. Watch this. If you let's let's look at this. We got to use the NFL now. If you're throwing for. 3,800 yards and 28 to 32 touchdowns a season. He's in he's in between 3,600 and 4,000 yards passing every year. Those right. are Pro Bowl numbers. Now, if you're scoring 26, 27, 28 points a game, would y'all not agree that the offense is doing its job? Hey, hey, you, hey, you believe numbers do lie? There's some that there's some numbers can get inflated and they can give up they give up the wrong perception. They do, just like interceptions. I I'll, I'll talk about your boy in Dallas. He gonna get a shitload of interceptions, but he gonna give up probably a thousand receiving for the season. Right. But as a coach now, it's me. I was a technician. I'd rather take the guy that's gonna give me four or five interceptions a year, or three interceptions a year, and have hella PBUs and play consistent lockdown defense versus the guy that could give me ten interceptions this year but give up a thousand receiving. I mean, it's it's kind of like a um, glass half full thing, if you will. It's kind of a preference. What I'm saying is, I can't say, I can't say that he got to have the same production as Jalen Hurts does because the Philadelphia Eagles defense is much better than the Raiders defense. It's That's just right. what it That's is. Right. And you know, like I know, if if let's say we score 21 points, right? Right. Beating y'all by 21. It changes the way your offensive coordinator has to put his his game plan changes now because now y'all got to score points. If I'm if I if I if if my defense can't stop a nosebleed and this I score you score you score I score then we go three and out three and out three and out now the game plan changed. That's right. If I'm up, I could just start running the ball and ice the game. My my thing is you know at some point there's a constant you know changes coaches change players change mm-hmm. over the years he's been the one constant that's been there. At some point. Yeah. At some point, we just keep pointing point fingers at other people and just keep saying this is them, this is that, this is. And at some point, we got we, we to look and say, okay, what are we doing? You're right. You're yeah. absolutely right. To add to the situation. He hasn't been the one constant. I'm going to take it further. The one constant is the management. Well, the management is going to be the management. We have no control over that. Yes, we do. You hire the wrong general managers. You hire the wrong. Well, no players ever. No players ever had control over management. You see what you see. You see what we see. What Aaron Rodgers was fighting for. I'm not and, talking and, about. And, and even Aaron couldn't get that. 
I'm not talking about the players. I'm talking about what you saying I agree with, but what I'm saying, you can't sit there and just, okay, this is what I'm saying. Let's go back to the to his 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 the 2016 season. The man went 12 and 40, I was talking MVP. He still was putting up them same kind of numbers. We asked for, and 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 matter of factly, that was the year we had Crabtree and Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. He's never really had a number one in a 1A and a 1B like that until then. We can say, okay, just to notify the whole race thing, we, we, we can say, okay, Carson Wentz has an MVP type year and 17 gets hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Comes back, plays a few games, gets hurt again, comes back. The team's not as good around him as it should be, and he struggles out of there. Goes to Indy. Puts, like you said, puts up, if you look at his numbers, the numbers weren't that bad. When that a few costly interceptions at, at critical moments of the game, out of there. Goes to Washington. Not like he's really playing bad. They were still in playoff contention. Hurts a finger, out of there. What, what round was he drafted in? The first round? Yeah. Okay. Was he ever supposed to be a superstar? Was he? Yeah, ever? he was supposed to be. A yeah. yeah. Were you yeah. pick? Were you pick? Were you pick that high? Yeah. Well, yeah. We, yeah. So they say, but let's just keep it one hundred. I'm not saying it's just a race thing. What I'm saying. Let me ask you a question: Did he play at a superstar level the year he was playing for MVP? Yeah, he did. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, sir. That yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. He yes, did. he did until he Nick Foles had to step in. He absolutely did. Right. I'm gonna so, say I'm gonna say he's a product. He was a product of that was he had a great season. That was a product of a great. He was in just it was just everything aligned right that year for him. Okay, so let me, let me ask you: Has Derek Carr ever done anything in comparison to that season in his career? Probably he's probably top three for the most come behind uh, no, 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 drives. No, I'm asking you: Am I saying I, in comparison to Carson Wentz's season that year? Has has Derek Carr ever had a Super Bowl? So no, comparable comparable to that. His best season was 2016. And he, he was not the number one seed. Didn't set up his team to be the number one seed. Wasn't, he was in the MVP conversations, but he wasn't the front runner. No, it was, it, it was tough in the A. It's tougher in the AFC than the NFC. But, but I see now we had him there, but I'm just saying, Carson Wentz. It's always Carson, very- Carson Wentz had a good year. He did. Year, got hurt a few times in. I mean, Derek Carr been in that thing for a long time. Yes, but when you talk, here, this, this I'm so we gotta ask those questions. Like, bro, is he really the answer? Listen, you nobody, see what's going on. Nobody's gonna be the answer until. So to answer your question, right? And I don't, I don't want to seem biased. I'm gonna try to not be biased, right? And that's why I'm pressing you because you biased. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm pressing you because yeah, so, so, so we gonna talk. We gonna talk real ball business. Okay. Not, we we gotta do it quickly though, because you do have other stuff to get to. Right, right, right. We're going to get it. So this is what I'm saying. When you have an inept organization who's been inept for more than two decades, just about, besides the the, the last four years of the 90s and early 2000s when we were winning the AFC Championship and went to the Super Bowl and all that shit. We, Rich Gannon was 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 a journeyman. They was talking about letting him play safety. He was toiling around in the league. He became an MVP quarterback for the Raiders. Put up big numbers, took him to the Super Bowl, right? You can't, you, one player in football would never be the answer if you don't, if it, the, the organization, you gotta, it, it, the variables have to be there. 
The reason why the New England Patriots were so damn good, yes, Tom Brady developed into the greatest quarterback to ever touch a football. But people don't talk enough about the defense that he was playing with. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's, yeah. Go, let's talk about them defensive guys that were on those teams. Yeah, some of my favorite all time DBs. Right. Ty Lodge, so, uh, Sante. So, yeah, so there's so Rodney Harrison. There's so Rodney many. Right. Then all those. Okay, watch this. Every time, it's not that it's Bill Belichick. Watch this. Every time there is a head coaching vacancy, who is the first damn candidates? One of the assistant coaches, goddamn Patriots. The, the, so I say all that to say this is the ultimate variable for success. Management. Well, he got one of the Patriots. He got one of the Patriots guys right now. You're not, you're not hearing me, Mike. He got, one, he got one. He got Bill's right-hand man right now. No, 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 no. He's a good offensive coordinator, but he's, do, he's, in, he's doing things the Raider way. I'm a Raider fan, and I'm going to just tell you the Raider way ain't it. <laughs> I'm just telling you. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It, you got an inept owner who's a the son of the great Al Davis who don't know nothing. Rest in peace, Al Davis. Rest in peace, Al Davis. Like he, they need to sell the team to some people that really give a damn. I, it's, it, it hurts my heart. So when we talk about management, I'm gonna tell you a closer to home scenario. NBC, Wally, and, and, and Mr. Brady, Wally and Shiv was able to, and Bob Obilovich, who was the one who got me originally. We all we were so good for so long because he the management was right and he knew the kind of guys to throw in that pot of gumbo. Right, when right. the management got watch this, when the management got kind of weird and Ed and them came over there, and then you know what I'm saying, and I love Ed, I can play it against Ed. But as the management changed, what did BC start doing? You get what I'm saying? So it's it, it's in direct correlation with the management. You talk when I say management, I'm talking about owner, coaches, general right. managers, scouts, all of the above. If I guess that's that. not right, if that's not right, it don't matter who you got in there. I guess I just, I guess over the years, honestly, because I play with guys that, like yourself, you know, you understand a lot what's going on in the front office and the coaching staff and the management, and I just always never try to get involved in them talks, you know, in honesty, because I just, um, my little sister's telling me it's time to go. <laughs> I, um, I just always thought like, I have no control over that. Right. There's powers above me that, oh, a thousand words mean nothing to them. Yeah. So I just never like even, and it's kind of sad because GMs will ask me at the end of the year, like, what's going on? What do you think? And I just, I don't think my, I don't give an, I don't give an opinion. Yeah. Because it, it's not going to matter. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen is going to happen. Yeah. Sorry, Mike, before you got to check out, which I assume is soon, uh, can you give us like five, 10 minutes more and that's it kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So number one, I want to know what made you a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Um, When we came to Canada in 2004, watching that, um, I was bored. I was just bored. Uh, I think my dad just put a TV in our room, and I was like flipping through the channels, and I saw this this game come on, um, Falcons against uh, the Eagles NFC Championship game. And I just remember listening like the way they were talking about Michael Vick and Donald McNabb. You know, each first time these two black quarterbacks are playing, and just the amount of times they keep on saying first time these two black quarterbacks were playing. I was just like, and I looked at Vick and looked at McNabb, and I was like, man, I just the amount of love they were getting, I just. 
I was like, man, I, I kind of want to be like one of them guys, you know? So yeah. I started like looking into football and then, so my first high school never had football. So when I moved and we finally had football, I started getting into it. And for me, I kept up with the Eagles through that. So ever since then, you know, the, the Kevin Cobb days, you, yeah. you know, um, um, Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, you know, all these yeah. quarterbacks that we've had, I've just always kept up with the news, you know, kept up with the team. And, you know, until today, you know, now, you know, I'm about to be a father, you know, some of my friends are sending me baby Eagle stuff, you know, some of my yeah, childhood friends are sending me, you know, baby Eagles gear. So, yeah. you know, I've always been a fan and I just love the organization, you know, I'm saying Jeff Lurie does a good job. Obviously, yeah. He, being a no-nonsense GM, you know, he doesn't stand for uh, much BS. The, the minute he feels like the the ship is not right. He's going to do what he yeah. has to do to make sure that club is always winning. You know, we don't go through too many downtimes too long. The Eagles no. are not this is down for too long. We might have a bad year, a hiccup every now and then, but as a fan, it's always a pleasure watching the Eagles game. Yeah. So for me, back in uh, junior high, the uh, kids started calling me Randall because Randall Cunningham. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking like, you know, 80s, 90s kind of thing. Uh, Ricky Waters, James, James Thrash. Um, you know, I, I go pretty Jeff deep. Garcia. So. I forgot Jeff Garcia. Jeff Garcia. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, I eat, sleep, shit, die, Philly. The Eagles anyways. And that's just the way it's going to be for my life. Um, I know I people that Brian are bandwagon West. fans. Brian, Brian Westbrook. Absolutely. He's up there right now. I, um, I, got, I got buddies of mine who jump ships from teams. It's like, I don't care if my team's owing a million. Like, I'm not jumping ship. And I can't now anyways, because, Mike, you know that. Right? It's over so right you've now. seen that before. It's over. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. I'm in, right? Um, and that's just the way it is. So another topic for this, this is kind of funny for me personally. Um, so Mike, you were really cool one time and came out and talked to me and my girlfriend, which was pretty special for us. I'll never forget that moment. So thank you. Um, it meant a lot to us and um, you definitely made me a fan. I am a big fan of Mike Edom because of the way, he, Adam, sorry, because of the way he plays. I mean, you play on the line. You don't go over the line. But you're extremely aggressive. You don't take shit. And if anybody's going to talk some shit, you're right there talking shit right back. And you play the game the way I played ice hockey. And I just saw a lot of myself in your style of play. And that's just what made me a fan of you. So I just wanted to show that with you. Appreciate that. You know, when I first came to the league, I played with a guy named Kyrie Saber. (laughs) Kyrie. Angry Bird. (laughs) And um, I remember they had moved him from safety to linebacker. So I, I took his safety spot. Not take, but I got drafted and, you know, given the spot. I remember Kyrie's came up to be the first game, and he was like, there's no be no bitch either. Come <laughs> with this shit. Just say words, but, he, you know, he got the – he's like, you better not be no bitch either. Come with that shit. And walks away. That's all he says to me. And I'm like – so in my head, I got to go prove a point, like, like, come on, man. Like, I can, I can hang. You know what I'm saying? I can, I can, I can carry my own sack of rocks. Just let me get a chance to to show you that. So, you know, I started kind of, you know, trying to emulate his style. You know, just the the recklessness and reckless abandon that he played with. Just, man, one time he was hurt, and I was like, Kyle, you ain't gotta go in there, man. Just you know, take a breather. Like you're done. We were up like 21 points. I'm like, Kyle, like, what's the point of you playing? Like, man, I die for this shit. So I'm looking at, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, okay. So those are the kind of people I learned from early in the game, right? So I've kind of just kind of played that way. 
and you know trying to let my passion show and then chip cox that that was another ag aggressive attacking defensive player he did it from more from a more crafty you know chip did miss a lot of tackles yeah i don't know how he did it because he wasn't the biggest guy he never missed a lot of tackles and that's why he i think i still has a franchise record for tackles in montreal but you know learning from those two guys man really set the table for my career yeah that's that's the good two other story. things maybe three i'm sorry this is a big one for me so you mentioned earlier in the show that you like to be first in line and you segued actually into what one of my questions were when i see you coming out on the field you're always within the first couple guys if not the first right. why 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 is that well two reasons one i just want to get to the end zone say my last prayers and just kind of let my worries go Blow and second is blow my wife a kiss. Once I do that, the eye black comes on and it's three hours of serenity for me. Yeah. You know, so for me, like being in, being the last one waiting for everyone to come out, I can be the first one down, do my thing. And while people are still coming out, I can have a little time to get in that mode before the anthem come, comes on. And you know, you ever see when the anthem come, comes on and guys are trying to find like the the smell of salt. There's no soul. They're trying to find yeah. blood, they're trying to. I, for me, by then, you're not really locked in. Okay. You know, when the anthem comes on, man, this is gladiator mode. Like, the other guys are looking at you on the other side of the field. The least you can do is have the respect to look back at them when that time calls and, you know, understand what's about to happen on that field. Yeah, definitely. Okay, another thought. How crazy was it did you think that I showed up in Calgary in the front row <laughs> And then uh, <laughs> yelling at you, fuck my, you know, whatever, which I always do, in a Rough Rider jersey. Um, and then to come back the next week on the road for you guys in BC, I'm there again in the front row where the, you know, the players come out of the tunnel. And I'm like, I got to wear my fucking Rough Rider Edom jersey because I can't switch teams. But did you not start to think that was a little bit stalkerish at the time? Oh, me? No. No. Yeah. It takes a lot of, man, listen, I grew up in Nigeria, man. I, I don't see some crazy, some crazy things. You know, I grew up in Lagos, Nigeria. I have a third world country. I've seen some, it takes more than just, you know. <laughs> Showed up some football games. More, yeah. But for me, when I met you, I kind of knew your intentions. I kind of knew, you know, this guy's just a passionate fan, you know. Yeah. Most guys want to introduce a guy to their girl, like they don't introduce, they don't bring the girlfriends to go meet another guy. You know what I'm saying? It's just most guys would be like, I'm gonna go meet it myself. But when you do that, it's a certain transparency that you have, a certain level of respect, you know, you want me to meet people you care about. And for me, that means a lot. So when you do stuff like that, I mean, we play, we play with a helmet off. So a lot of times fans don't have that interaction, close interaction with players. They know it's for, you know, Mike number 15, Mike Edel, yeah. but they don't really know the, you know, the guy behind the mask. So the opportunities to go out and interact with fans on a more personal basis, I think creates everlasting bonds, just like we're having right here. And that's why it allows us to be able to sit here and have this conversation. I'm pretty sure Dante probably did the same thing. That's why y'all are able to, you know, you know, do um, do this, um, create this platform together. So, and I, I just think it's, it's about giving people an opportunity to kind of um, show, um, show themselves to you and you know, kind of, you kind of get to know people. Yeah. One of the biggest things, too, that I will never forget, too, is you're lining up on defense facing me on the field, 
and uh, we make some kind of contact or whatever. I'm like, hey, what, you know, you're on the field. And you start going like this to me, and you're lined up, you know, for D because I'm wearing your Edom jersey. Right. I will never forget that, man. That that was that was awesome. I'm like, man, that guy. Anything he could be doing right now because he should be focusing on the game, which right. I know you were. But you're gesturing up to me in the stands, and that was just insane, man. That, you know, that was cool. That's like people think. Like for me, not, not, I don't know. I don't know if you were like this when I was on the field. It was tough for me to have fun. Like the inner child comes out. There's a little crazy mixed in there, but for the most part, the work is already put in during the week. It's just time to go out and execute and do what we talked about doing. So for me, that's the easy part. You know, fine tuning what is going to work and what's not going to work. That's the hard part, you know? Like, that's like a mechanic, you know, changing the oil and getting underneath the car and doing all that. That's the hard part. The test drive is the easy part. That's where you just have fun. It's like, uh, practice Practice was so much like games. When the game came, it was just practice with fans in the stadium. Right, right. Yeah. I'm, getting, I'm getting a two-minute warning here. Okay, so here's your two minutes. Uh, and, and Mike, please come back, and uh, we got to finish up oh, anything yeah, else we missed. You know what? You know, we'll definitely come back. And I kind of feel bad because I thought we'd have time, but don't feel bad. I got my mother, my two sisters, and a pregnant wife right now, so I'm getting the full court press. Definitely, and, uh, and and congrats on uh, uh, you know on the on the trial. That's uh, that's, 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 that's awesome. I'm, I'm definitely excited, man. I'm definitely excited. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. Ed Gainey leaves. You know, your year without Ed Gainey. Um, I know that you and Ed Ganey are really close. You spent a lot of time with Ed. You've been on a few different teams with Ed. Um, how did you, uh, how'd you feel about that? And then him with Chris, you know, with Chris Jones even, right? You know? Um, I mean, Ganey, like my brother, like I lived with Ganey my first year in Montreal. That was my roommate, you know, so, and then we played in Hamilton together uh, for a brief stint and then in SAS for X amount of years. I think we ended up playing seven years together or so, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, when you have, you know what it's like, Dante, to have a boundary half that you've seen for mm -hmm. so long. Like, it got to the point, me and Ed, that I can wink at him and he knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, oh, I'll see him in front of me, I'll see him in front of me in a certain spot. And then he'll kind of just nod his head and I'm like, oh, I bet I'm gonna go stand over here. You know, he's just like, it's second nature, you know. But with, in that process, what happens is you can kind of get complacent because you've done it for so long with somebody that um, you forget certain things because you know he can cover you up and make certain mistakes. So not playing with Ganey was a, a learning process, but it was something I enjoyed doing because I had to teach. And you know when you teach, you know, there's a certain part of um, studying that comes with that, like you, you know, refreshing your own memory. It's almost like a review for yourself, right? So I went back and actually, man, I forgot I could do this. Oh man, so many things we didn't, you know, I couldn't like that. I forgot. I guess me and Ed knew what we, what worked for us and kind of kept certain things out. But when we, you know, when me and Ro, you know, we tried did um, you know, you know, different things. Ro's a different kind of player. He's a little more aggressive in the run. So I had to learn. Okay, you know, I don't have to be that as aggressive because Ro's a certified hitter. He's gonna come down and he's gonna stick it in there not scared. So, you know, there's a certain adjustment that comes with, you know, playing with a guy for so long. But for me, I enjoy the learning process, you know. Also, you know, they say you can't teach your old dog new tricks. You know, Ro taught me a few things that, you know, I'm, I, I used over the course of the season. You know, me and Ro bonded on the terms of, you know, he's a father. Um, 
when I found out I was having a baby, you know, Roe was one of, probably somebody I talked to every morning because, you know, when we come in, we just chop it up. We're not even talk football. And, you know, we kind of got close over, you know, you know, talking about fatherhood and stuff like that because, you know, he's a father of three and he's a great father. And I kind of envy him from that perspective, you know. So it's a learning process. I mean, you can't, you can't, you, you know, you can't be satisfied with being comfortable. Sometimes comfort can be the worst thing for you, you know. It allows you to get complacent, you know. You, you just take certain things for granted, but you know, Rob was a breath of fresh air, even in our room. You know, the, the young guys play with a different kind of fire. Is yeah. and it, it's, it's nice to see when the fire is burning at, at an all-time high, and you're able to just keep pouring gas on it and having that fire keep growing, right? So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. Yeah, one last, maybe two. Uh, we had Adakulu on here, which was a great show. Oh, really funny cat. Steven. And we, yeah. I, I know you guys spent time together. That was that was our first show on of the Inside the Minds podcast was Adakulu. I, I tried to go through Adakulu to get you on the show because you weren't on fit, social media at that time. You said you yeah. tried, but you were getting married. But anyways, yeah, your thoughts on Adakulu? Listen, that's my brother, man. Yes, my. yeah. Me and Steve used to have some vicious, I don't know if you told you about this, but when we used to play Bulldogs, we used to have some vis, vicious one-on-one sessions. Like, we used to damn near throw hands after every rep. Like, sometimes wow. he took his jersey off. Yeah, he's holding me, and he'd run one-on-one with just to pass on. And, you know, out of competition, we grew a mutual respect for one another. But one of the major respects I have for Adekulu is his entrepreneurship mindset. You know, he's somebody that if you talk to him, He's gonna teach you a way you can get money. <laughs> like yeah, if, he, yeah. if you like talk to him, he's gonna he's gonna have a solution for you on how you can get money. You know, he's just always someone that's always trying to you know pro progress and, and you know he's trying to find ways to get better. He's very innovative with with who he is, his style, and that's why you see he's so versatile in the things he's doing in life. You know, people don't know he this guy formulated a daycare plan since we were in college and executed it to a T to the point now he has a, uh, they built the daycare you know, from scratch and he's a movie, he's in, on Netflix doing movies, you yeah. know, parlayed football into a better career, something that every player wishes they can do, you know, and when you sit, when you see your brother do that, you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta clap your hands and, and give him his flowers and, and just, you know, appreciate his greatness. Definitely. Yeah. My very last thought. Um, I know you're you're on you're on a time limit. If something happens and I don't want it to happen, and I know you don't want to happen, we're not going to talk about it. If something happens and you don't go back to Saskatchewan, please give me one more shot of you playing with BC because I can't cheer for another team. It's me, you, Saskatchewan, only because you're playing there. And, and that's it, dude. Just come back to BC. That's all I'm saying. Hey. Hey, oh, uh, hey, hey, Dante. Uh, remember when you played? You had kids, right? Yeah. And you ever got to a time where the decision was kind of like not in your hands? It's in your hands, but there's there's alternative factors that you have to implement. That just, yeah, you know, I, I I'm not gonna say no because I love RP, and if RP gave me that call, I mean, I'd love to play for RP. That's a damn fact. And I got my boy Luch over there, you know. Yeah. I'm not, I'm never gonna say never. But right now, and I gotta appreciate the process and, and give Sass yeah. the respect and the benefit of the doubt that yeah. they're gonna be right. So I don't even wanna 
I don't want to put something in the air. You know how to, yeah, you go. You hey, you know how you know how you know how three down is. I can say something right now, and 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 and, and there you go, there you go. Hey, I, one last one. You signed this one. Uh, you said my favorite fan, and I have the proof on here. So uh, right. don't forget that that I'm your favorite fan, Mike. No, I just wanted to band the life of the Harris jersey. That, that was why I did that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you probably vandalized him that game, I think, for me. Because you remember that? I'd be like, Mike, can you fuck up fucking Andrew Harris for me? I remember one time, I'm like, I messaged you. I'm like, can you please take it easy on Andrew Harris for me? And you're like, dude, I don't take it easy on anybody. No, nah, there was something <laughs> about playing. There's something about playing Andrew Harris. Like, like, like you come out of the game, you're doing a warm, but you look at him, and he's over there doing some, like, Getting amped, getting the most shit. And I just be looking at it and I'm just like, man, I'm gonna try to crack that. <laughs> <laughs> right? No disrespect to Andrew Harris, anybody listening, but uh, I mean, you gotta, it's, 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 and, and, and when you come to realize too, athletes, when you look at a guy and, and you, you line him up and you say, I'm gonna go get him, it's a respect thing. Definitely. And, and I, he feels it. He knows it. Like, Absolutely. Like, honestly, like you hit, like the worst thing is to hit a guy that's not going to hit you back. It's just, yeah. It falls like a bag of milk and you just like almost like a wasted rep. You're like, man, what the? Like, have you, have you come across that, Mike? Have you, have you, you've had that? I do, but then when I do, it's just verbal abuse at that point. Because <laughs> at that point, I'm not going to waste my physicality with you because. We we know how that how that went on the first rep. So at that point, I'm just gonna verbally abuse you to the game's over. Right. See, and that's why I like that's why I love you, man. Because you don't take shit. You just don't take shit. And I see you spouting shit and fucking talking on the field. And if you have you know to, what? you know what? One of the things I'll say this, and I'll say it on this platform because I hope he's listening, is um, um Brian Burnham. You know we used yeah. to be teammates, and you know we we got along real well. But when I went to SAS. You know, things got sour real quick. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and um and that's just because what he used to do to our DBs dunking on people. So, you know, for me, you know, when Manny was there and it was him and Manny trying to, you know, bully guys, I used to take pleasure in trying to crack those guys. And then when Manny left, Burnham was a lone soldier and he was still dunking on some of our guys, but you know, just kind of, you know, that, you know. Get see him get fired up used to fire me up, you know. Seeing him get angry used to get um kind of fire me up because as a teammate, he was such a nice guy, mm-hmm. he was such a cool dude, you know. What I'm saying the locker, he was so cool, level headed, like monotone. You never see him got angry, none of that. But on the on on on, on, the, on the, when you compete against a guy that you know is so nice and you see that dog come out, it kind of you kind of want to like, yeah, like let's keep this going, you know, type. And I yeah. think along the lines, I might have got carried away and pushed it too far and and but now that he's retired i can say you know i apologize for any other crazy crazy junk i might have said never push it too far you never push it too far huh <laughs> you never push it too far no nah, but no nah, but you know you want to like you don't want to burn bridges but you know me like you know i appreciate the guy uh the friend he was when i was there because you know it's hard to play for wally you never played for wally before and he was one of those guys that kind of helped me through those times and the fact that I played for another team should not be the reason why a friendship should be tarnished. But right. like I said, yeah. you know, I might have pushed it to edges and boundaries. And he you know he's he says certain things, but you know, it doesn't gotta be like that. You know, competition is competition, you leave it on the field. And you know, now that he's retired, I just want to say 
Hey, man, happy retirement. You know, you had a hell of a career. I'm glad I ain't got to face you no more, brother. And um, yeah, man, enjoy. Absolutely. Happy retirement, Brian Burnham. Brian sad, Burnham. sad. It's sad, man. It's 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 uh, he's hey, he's uh, different life, different life. Father, well, you right? know, like you gotta respect that. You know, like they can walk out on his own terms yeah. like that. Because yeah. we know he could have played five more years. Yeah, he could. He could still have been a number one receiver on any team, but when your passion is um being pulled in another direction. It's 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 hard to to walk away from something you've been doing for so long to chase something you don't know where it's going to end up. So for me, you know that you know that's that's big on him. Yeah, absolutely. Dante, got anything you need to add? Guys, guys, got to go. I had a pleasure being up there. In a few weeks I was during training camp, and hopefully our paths cross. Crossing, yeah, man. Hopefully, they better. Mike says he's going to come back on the show, so yeah, I'm going to come back. My, my sister's over here. They're about to pull my neck off my shoulder. So I'm, he knows I'm going to fill up his DMs again if he doesn't show up. He's going to get angry at me and just have to, you know, mute me again like he did. Because he's like, man, he's like, you're so persistent, dude. You just don't give up. I'm like, no, I'm not giving up. So Yo, you know what's crazy? Not that he caught me on a good vibe. I was I was, I was, on that eggnog. You know, I was sitting on the eggnog. <laughs> and then, you know, he fired me a text. And I was like, man, it's Christmas season. And I was like, my dog's been persistent. Since I played for BC, he's been trying to do something. So I'm like, you know what? You gotta give it a for effort, bro. Like, like, and a brother Eagles fan, and and and, a, and, and you know what? We didn't get to talk about the Eagles as much as um, we wanted to, but we will. let's say this: the night before the Great Cup, the, no, the night before the Super Bowl, when they're getting ready to play the Super Bowl, we'll have a podcast, and I'll come back on, and and, right. and, we'll, and we'll throw dirt on the Raiders and, and hype the Eagles up. <laughs> I'm gonna hold it. I'm, I'm gonna hold it to that, brother. Let's absolutely. Hey, man, I want, I, I want y'all to win the Super Bowl. I hate the 49ers. Matter of fact, I'll be beat their ass tomorrow, the red panty gang. I can't stand yeah. it. <laughs> you can say that on my brother, but I don't know. The Niner team is scary, though. Y'all got to do it. Yeah, yeah. All right, but brothers, hold it All down. Right, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it, Mike. And hey, let's do this we'll again, chat. guys. Happy holidays. Absolutely. Bye. Happy holidays. Thanks, Mike. Don't you? That was good times, man. Sorry, I had to cut you near some of that, but there's just some shit I had to get off my chest, and I wanted to hear some things about, you know. No, no, no. Definitely, he, so. He, he, we, I didn't think it was going to be that short. That's why I saw it. It's all good. No, I didn't either. And actually, he had mentioned earlier, he said, uh, I've got dinner plans. So I was like, okay. Dinner's like, you know, 4.30, 5 o'clock. But he's, he's got the whole family thing going on. So uh, he's up in Peachland right now, which is on the mainland. I'm sure you've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Kind of below Kamloops. Yeah, anyways. Yeah, man. Good times with Mr. Uh, Mike Adam. That's the other thing I want to touch on, too, is uh, you said Saskatchewan's Rough Rider in the intro. And then Mike Adam is a huge DMX fan. So I wanted just to see if he caught that. But uh, I'll have to text it to him later. It's oh, all good. Nah, he, all good. He, I, I knew that show was going to be fire. He's a... Uh... He's a good dude, man. He's uh, very coachable. Uh, loves to. Uh, he's he loves to get better. Like so, everything. Yeah. Like, he was he was ecstatic when I was up there. So, you know, good deal, man. Good deal, it's, it's, it's 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 just you know the nature of the, the nature of the business is 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 it's that's the ugly side, and a lot of people aren't privy to what goes on. Um, you know, 
in regards to what's you know stuff that's going on behind closed doors they don't they don't really know all they see is you know the games and all the other bs that's on the blogs and whatever's being reported on but it's it's the variables are they're there for a reason the variables contribute to the outcome so you always got to talk about the variables and it's you'd be surprised man i was having a conversation with somebody earlier and it was like uh you know the older you get you really see through all the all the bs and it to me when you a player for so long you you think it's everybody wants to win that's not what it's about contrary to popular belief yeah selling merchandise is about putting asses in seats it's about making money right which is two of those things you know selling merchandise putting asses in seats but you know that's money that's that's you know so so people the fan the fans we're still not we are because i i was i was on the other side but most mostly everybody is blinded by a fake narrative um most of these owners are very wealthy owning a franchise is a hobby to most of them 95 especially Uh, if you own the one in dallas well he already had money (laughs) so he bought the cowboys for what 800 million dollars like it was something ridiculously low and it's like so much worth so much more than 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 what he bought it for um so i mean it's in we gotta we gotta we gotta we gotta wake up and understand it's sports entertainment right so it's to entertain people so at the end of the day the bottom line I don't truly believe all these teams, they're just hell-bent on Super Bowls or Grey Cups. No, it's, it's, if my franchise is making money, that's the bottom line. So, do you, as a player, do you start to feel used after a while? You, well, I mean, you must in ways. Yes, because, see, see yeah. here's the deal. We're taught, and this will take us down a whole nother conversation. But We got to be careful of this one because I'm on a time limit, but. We'll get there, Dante. Look, you know, okay, let's hear it. No, we'll we'll save that one, but I'm just, you know, specifically speaking, United States. A lot of the stuff that we're taught is is not truth. It's it's inaccurate. It's it's made up. So things that your 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 belief system has been shaped by a narrative that's not true. So when you mature and you become a grown woman or a grown man and you are awake, you finally wake up out of your just following whatever the sky's blue. Okay. Clearly it's pouring in rain. Right. Right. When you start to step away and kind of be analytical and use your own brain without somebody kind of telling you this is what it is, you start to see things. Yeah. And it becomes clear to you, just clarity, right? Yeah. So I just, I don't feel used in a sense that it was my selfish desire since I was a little five-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's done so much for me, positive, you know, in a positive manner in my life with this yeah. game. Um, yeah. I mentioned it earlier. I think it contributed to my divorce. Oh, well, so be it. I'll do it all over again if I could do it again. Because yeah. that... That that dream of mine, that goal of mine, 
that aspiration, those aspirations I had were for Dante. Yeah. Way before Dante was even an adult. Way before Dante yeah. was married. Way before Dante even had kids. That yeah. was for that was the most high said, this is for you. Yeah. Well, I had to, I had to, I had to, I had to allow it to run its course. So right. um now that I'm on the under end of the spectrum, I'm no longer a player. I'm a coach. I'm a teacher. I'm a mentor, right? Mm -hmm. I see, I, I have clarity on what it is. So when I'm teaching these young people and I'm giving them advice and I'm mentoring them and I'm coaching them and I'm helping them along their journey to get to where I got, mm -hmm. I have the ability to give them so much more than what I was given. Yes. That makes yeah. Because I, I've been through it. I've seen it. I know what yeah. it is. And you can keep them out of the, the potholes, hopefully. Right. Hopefully. But I, hopefully. I'm going to tell, yeah. tell you the real. This, this is, it's a business. Once you yeah. leave high school, and even nowadays, high school is a business because now you can get paid. NIL deals and all this shit. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a very dirty business. And once yeah. you understand that, because as a young person playing a sport, we love we playing it because we love it. We wasn't getting paid at Pop Warner High yeah. School. Yeah, some of the some of the some of the dope dealers in the neighborhood, Dante, how many touchdowns you gonna score today? Three. I give you $20 a touchdown. Okay, yeah, but I'm talking about we played the game because we loved it. We didn't care about nothing else. I, if you would have if you would have asked me that question in high school or college, I, shit, I'm play, I don't I don't even have to get paid. I love it. I played this game. Yeah. But I mean, just the aspect, like, I mean, like, like Mike said with uh, like, even like Carson Wentz or players, he's probably even seen before. Like if you get hurt, you're out. Like, like see ya. like that, you know, that, that, that's where the kind of like the used aspect comes is like, and like, like Wally used to tell you, Hey man, like if you're not, I can just replace you, you know, like. So to answer your question. So Wally thought he could do that. He's, and he did that for a long time, even when he was in Calgary. He's, he's notorious. Like people tell you, I had people when I first broke into the league, hey man, when you become a free agent, man, get up out of there, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So many bad stories that people play it from other players about Wally. I mean, he treated me shit pretty damn good for the for my career, I, I mean. Yeah, and that's, sorry, that's something we touched on yesterday was was taking someone else's opinion and putting it in the back of your head, but but judging on your own experiences and you never had bad experiences you stayed right well i mean it wasn't as bad as he did some other people let me say that but it wasn't i wasn't given anything i earned it if he if he could have got if he could have got rid of me and paid somebody half my salary trust me he would have done it but yeah. he paid me for 11 seasons that's not cuz he liked me <laughs> right well it's cuz he you had talent and he had to keep you Okay, so that so that's yeah. that's what you were saying. Like we are used, and and until he feels like he can replace you, which he really he couldn't replace me, even when he right. didn't bring me back. It started going here. I mean, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so yeah. to answer that, in my mind, I tell all the young people, look, you have to create a situation because everybody's replaceable. Shit, he cut Dave Dickens. Come on, man. Jason yeah. Clear, G. Roy Simon. So who? I mean. You know, yeah. pits. It don't matter. <laughs> These are the great players. So who who am I to think yeah. that I can't I can't be next, right? So mm -hmm. 
at the end of the day, I have to make myself irreplaceable for as long as I possibly can. So that yeah. was my mindset. How do, you, how, how do you not let Jiray finish his career in BC, dude? Like what? You know what I mean? Like, I think we went down that with Jiray. Maybe we didn't, but I mean, yeah. Come but on, man. When you in the building and you on the and you on the inside and you know what's going on, you get what I'm saying? You there's yeah. things you don't know and they'll spin it. The media will spin it. I mean, there's a lot of times when they'll flat out lie. Like yeah. for example, he he didn't pick up my option after 2014. I emailed him and called, hey man, just release me so I could try to go get on another team. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, well, well, you know, happy holidays, Dante, because I didn't speak to him for a long time after that. We just recently, you know, patched it up, but I was pissed off for a long time because I've given you 11 seasons, three Grey Cup, two championships out of those three games, a Hall of Fame career. I've given that to, to you, right? Yeah. yeah. And for you to, for you to, I'm asking you just, if you're not going to bring me back, just release me so I could go try to figure it out. Yeah. He held on to, he wouldn't do it until free agency. Who's going to trade for a 35-year-old DB? Nobody. And then by that time, they're going to spend their money up and get the free agents and guys they want to get. So I'm I'm screwed. I'm left out in the cold, right? So yeah. that's what pissed me off. So at the end of the day, it it kind of ended up being like what, what I heard when I first broke into the league. Like, hey, man, he, he'll, he'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do this. Woo, woo, woo. So that's kind of after yeah. 11 seasons, I kind of felt that way. So yeah. um, at the end of the day, you just, you know, you can't take it personal. It's just business, right? That's what they love to say. Oh, it was just business. Okay, cool, whatever. So I'm over it now, but, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's what I told myself, though. I'm going to make myself irreplaceable for as long as possible. And it, it turned yeah. into a long time. So. Yeah. That's that's my spiel to the young guys. That's why I told Mike, hey man, you play this shit to the wheels fall off because Absolutely. the worst thing that you that you there's 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 two bad things that happen. Either you are forced out because physically you are a shell of your former self. That's probably the, one of the worst ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, somebody who's hanging on too long and then they're, they 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 tarnish their legacy. Yeah. Or or you know, you get a you get a a, a you get maimed or you get some type of inner, uh, injury that really affects your way of life mm-hmm. after football or you, yeah. Yeah. or, or you, or you go ahead and they, 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 they don't bring you back or they cut you because of financial uh, financial uh, purposes, which is mm-hmm. kind of the boat I fell in. If you don't want to pay this six figure salary no more, you think you could go get a younger version of me for cheaper. I mean, as a business person, who am I to argue with that? Yeah. On the lines of the retirement talk, I mean, I, I, it's, I mean, I don't like to talk about people when they're not here, but I mean, what I get out of it is if I was Mike, um, I would want to try and hold on as long as I could. If I was going to listen to somebody telling me to retire and had I've listened, I mean, that's going to be hard every day to have that burning you know, in your, in your, in your blood every day to, to, to play football after you've retired, like next year, if he's not playing, I mean, that's going to be pretty hard on his mindset to realize number one, he can play number two, he wants to play, but number three, he's not playing because he chose to walk away, not on his own terms. I mean, that, that's going to be difficult, right? 
and that, and that's the other that's the other variable. It's like um, my ex wife told me like I still play two two three more seasons. She was trying to tell me just re just retire. I mean retire already. Are you out of your rabbit ass mind? I'm gonna walk away from <laughs> yeah. making six figures in five months doing something I love to do since I've been doing since a kid to do all of a sudden do what? Right. You know, and, and fortunately enough, my transition wasn't as tough as a lot of guys because mm -hmm. once again, I, I can, I'm a pretty sharp guy and I could do other things. Yeah. You know, I'm an entrepreneur myself and I've, I've, I was already doing some of the stuff that I'm doing now prior to me leaving the game. So it wasn't that hard, but it's tough when you got somebody else that's not running out of that tunnel that hasn't been getting up at four or five, six in the morning for all these years, going into a locker room with a bunch of other guys and can be a kid. And, yeah. and, and playing a kid's game for a king's ransom. <laughs> you know, so, you know, some people don't make that kind of money in two years. I'm doing it in five months. So yeah. it's just, you know, it's a lot of things, once again, you talk about variables that you have to take into consideration before you make those, those, those rash decisions and choices. I just, I was just, I'm just a guy that shit. I love football to the point where I was going to play until I couldn't play no more. And I was, you know, blessed and fortunate to be around some great players and coaches that kind of told me the same thing. Hey, man, you play this shit longer you can, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. When it's over, it's over, man. You don't, you, you, there's nothing like it. And I think that's why a lot of former athletes have trouble post career. And rest in peace to Junior Seau, man. Um, yeah. I mean, he he was larger than life, man. And, you know, he, he went through a divorce. You know, he had his his, his restaurants and stuff, and he was very noticeable. He he is one of the main reasons people even know prior to LaDainian Tomlinson. The Chargers, he was the face of the, like, he's the Chargers. Like, you know, he's Junior Seau, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, I don't recall him having any financial problems. I mean, it's no. just, you're used to doing something for 17 years at that level. Plenty yeah. of pro bowler just, dude, it's different when you're in the game and you're doing it and people give you this certain love. It's yeah. different than when you're not playing and then the next wave of guys come, you kind of get forgotten about, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't really, go through that because I it, I don't know. It's just my transition was different and I'm still around the game, right? And yeah. I think for some guys, they have a hard time not being the center of attention no more. Oh, absolutely. It's absolutely. If you are the center of attention for a professional team and you step away from that, now you're going home to your home life and you're not the one that a million people a day are tuning into, absolutely. Right. And yeah, so I, I've never played pro, pro sports, but 100%, man. You're talking yeah. about going to a restaurant. Like, even now, I haven't played in, it's going to be, it's getting close to 10 years. I ain't played no football. Yeah. And yeah. It's, I don't even live in Canada. And I'll get people to send me stuff. I got jerseys and restaurants and bars and shit. I'm like, oh, wow, that's crazy. People still wearing 31 jerseys with my name I've on. sent you two of those pictures. Send me some. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, I've got yeah. yeah. 
I got some from some of the people I used to fool around with outside of the you know lines on like some cool ass fans that I'm I'm, I'm uh, built relationships with friends and shit and they'll send me stuff and I'm like damn I ain't played in hell long and they still wearing that shit to the game like yeah you know what Marsh next time I see this shit I swear to goodness I'm just gonna offer somebody 200 bucks for the jersey on their back because you can't find Marsh jerseys anymore. Like like the old style that you wore, you can't you can't get them. I just be like, I need I need that jersey, two hundred bucks. I talked to Neil and he said that he could probably get it done, but then he never he never hit me back with it. So maybe you can try again. Yeah, because they tried they changed the uniform, so that's gonna be tough. But they might have the, the team might have a box of them somewhere. You never know. I mean, they you never know, right? So so I mean, at the end of the day. That's what this shit is about. So that's why you try. That's why we talk about legacy, right? You talk about when it's all said and done, and somebody is doing your eulogy when you do your home going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the guys. Nobody's perfect, man. None of us. We all are flawed human beings. But I guess my 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 thing is now: how can I Im- have such a great impact that once I'm once I'm out of here, hopefully another fifty years from now that people have can say all this great shit about Dante Marsh. Like, yeah, you know, he helped so many people. He impacted so many people. He was, you know, he was a- you get that. Look at, look at these, look at, yeah. but I mean, the kid, the, the, I know, but the kids you coach though, I mean, but that's what I I'm wish, saying. you know, I, I wish, right? That's what I'm saying. So that's kind of, like I said, as we mature, we start thinking differently, right? Yeah. It's not so selfish when you get older, it's more so like, okay, there's a standard. Like when you're young, you just, whatever, you don't care about who people's opinions, you don't give a fuck, you just, you're, you're focused yeah. on. Yeah. You know, you know what, I think a lot of that comes to you is that we start to realize, I think that um, we, there, there is an end game, that we aren't invincible. And you start thinking about, okay, I'm not invincible, I'm gonna die, what have I done here? Have I just pissed a bunch of people off and everybody hates me? Or is it going to be, you know, people have had respect for me or had a, a, a good conversation or a polite whatever, rather than the guy's a fucking asshole, you know? And I think that's maybe that's where it starts to come from. That part. And you, you see so many times where, um, you know, there's going to be people who, who lie and say you were this great fucking guy. And then there's gonna be uh there's gonna be people uh who who tell the truth, you know. There's yeah. they'll 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 um hold on one sec. And there'll be people that that um say um you know they really didn't have a relationship with you, but they they make it more than what it is because because they because people want to make it about them right so yeah. some of the stories get embellished you know they try to act like they were there the whole time you'll get some of those people then you'll get some genuine people that really fucked with you and really loved and respected you so you're going to get some haters no matter what you're not doing your job on earth if you don't got no haters right so yeah. at the end of the day i don't care about none of that shit it's all positive energy for me. And if I can help another person on their journey, 
because we're just using football once again, like I said, as a tool, as a vehicle to navigate your way through life to do all these other great things, right? Yeah. That's my thing with the younger people coming up. That's why I coach. That's why I teach. That's why I mentor. That's why I train. That's why I do all that stuff, and I'm paying it forward. So, you know that as you like you said, as you get older, you start to think like, fuck, people dying. I'm I'm still very young, but shit, man, my homeboy, my same age, he passed away. Like you start thinking, you start your days got to count now. Not that yeah. they didn't count before, but. We feel, like you said, invincible and untouchable and all this shit. And then you start to, shit, man, these days, I got to start making sure I'm enjoying and really cherishing my time because we don't know when it's over. I ain't going to bed pissed off anymore because you never know if you're going to wake back up, right? That kind of shit, so. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Inside the Minds podcast with Dante Marsh and Ryan Hyde. Check out our Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter accounts to see our upcoming show announcements, links to our previous shows, and sound bites. And don't forget to hit that follow button while you're there. Hey, this is Logan Bandy. Hi, this is Zane Frazier. This is Art Jimerson. Chris Raining. This is Boots Electric, and thank you for joining me on my special guest spot on Inside the Minds podcast, where everybody wants to be if they're smart. Good field position start, play action. Burr's going to load it up, but he's short on the throw. Intercepted. Dante Marsh has his 30th career interception and a good return back into Ottawa territory. Well, the usually strong arm Henry Burris comes up short.